0: Great to be with you. I love you. I miss you when I am unable to be with you. Uh, I can't think of a cooler group of folks to be on the journey with. So, uh, my name's Mike. I'm one of the pastors on the team. If this is your first time, or you're just checking this whole God thing out, you know, welcome. We are really, really glad you're here. I want to invite you to take your notes out of your handout. You'll see we're starting a new series. And it's more than a series, it's a, it's a campaign, it's a way of life, it's, it's the direction for our church over these next couple of years, um, and it's called Blessing My City. And we're going to get into that and kind of the foundation of what that all looks like, what it means, and, and how it's going to flesh itself out. Now, if you're just checking this whole church thing out, or maybe you're, you're a part of the Overlake family, um, let me just do a quick recap about where you find yourself. You find yourself in a church that goes after three purposes unapologetically. We feel like we are called by God, and this is an example given to us by Jesus. We're to love God, love people, and serve the world. And those are the purposes that we go after as often as we can, as many times as we can, in as many places as we can, in as many ways as we can. We do this without apology because of the example set by Jesus and the teaching left behind by Jesus. So love God, love people, serve the world, very biblical. Can I get a whoop whoop? All right, okay, good. Now, how we do that... Over the last couple years, we've been talking about the lenses through which we accomplish the purposes that God has given us. And the lenses through which we accomplish our purposes are worship first and outlandish love how we do everything is we want to do everything by worshiping God first and by outlandish love for those around us. That, that, those are the two kind of um, values. They, they flavor all of the, you know, the stuff that we try to go after. Now, let me just tell you why all of that is true. It's because Jesus loves you. It's because Jesus loves us, each and every one of us. And he has poured out his love for us. He fills our life with blessing. He showers us with his grace. He lavishes us again and again and again with this favor that is completely undeserved, but it's just the Father's heart poured out to each and every one of us. So when I say that we go after love God, love people, serve the world, when we worship first, we go after outlandish love, we don't do any of this to earn God's love. We do it in response to his love that he already has settled the issue. He loves you, each and every one of you. He loves us. He loves everyone in this world. For God so loved the world, right? So just so you understand, this is all background. This is all sort of Overlake history. I've just wrapped up maybe the last 10 years of Overlake in a Cliff Notes version. This is where you find yourself today. What I want to do is I want to talk to you about uh, sort of the season that we've just come through. We just finished—I say just—sort of in sort of you know epochs. Um, There was a campaign that we went through. It was called OCC Two Thousand Twelve. We wrapped that up, ironically enough, in Two Thousand Twelve and as we as we went after what it is that God had called us to go after so many of you participated in prayer you participated in serving you participated in giving and and we praise God we knew when we started the thing was in 2008 in the worst economy that America had seen since my birth okay And and so we knew that the economy was soft and this was going to be a challenge. And yet what happened was God multiplied the dollars that were given and the efforts that were expended on the vision that he had given us. And incredible victory happened all around the world. And, and it was just so amazing to see God unified us. He brought a joy to our community. Um, God had this incredible victory happen uh, many times with our partners overseas. And, and so some of you had heard stories about how churches were being planted by the thousands, uh, that orphans were being cared for all over the world, that those with HIV AIDS were being served and ministered to, and, and that, uh, that there was this incredible combating of human trafficking. And we saw hundreds of gals literally set free from the industry over in Thailand and our partners there. So, I mean, there were these incredible victories that were happening all over the world. Most of those victories were international in focus. That's a background for what Blessing My City looks like over the next two years. Because what I want is for our focus. We're not going to quit our partners in, overseas. We're not going to stop working towards the initiatives that God has us working towards. But we want to be a blessing to the city in which God has placed each and every one of us. And, and I want to take you to a passage of scripture. It's, it's found in Jeremiah. And about a year ago, it just jumped off the page at me. Now, many of you who are followers of Jesus, you already know a passage of Scripture from the book of Jeremiah, and you might even have it memorized. It goes, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to Prosper, you can join in front to prosper you and not to harm you plans to give you a hope and a future, right? And that's an incredible verse. And if you if you don't like know it or have it memorized, I mean just so you know, you know, Bible good. Okay, so just keep that in mind. But I, I want you to know that there are other verses in Jeremiah, okay. And, and so this is a passage, it's from Jeremiah 29, and it's about what's going on in the hearts of the Israelites when they're being taken into captivity, into Babylon. And so they're, they're, they're being taken from Israel, from Jerusalem, and they're being marched off to a foreign land, to a foreign city, Babylon. They don't want to go. They, they want to get back home as soon as possible. And so this passage is the word of the Lord, through the prophet of Jeremiah to the the people of Israel, the men and women of Israel. And this is what he says. Build homes and plan to stay. Plant gardens and eat the food they produce. Marry and have children. Then find spouses for them so that you may have many grandchildren. Multiply. Do not dwindle away. And work for the, check this, for the peace and prosperity of the city where I sent you into exile, pray to the Lord for it, for in its welfare will determine your welfare. Wow. Friends, look at that again. Look at what that's saying, especially the last two lines. You might want to underline those, that we're to labor for the peace and prosperity of this city, that, that we are to pray for the city, for in its welfare, as it prospers, you will prosper. You know, it's almost like God is, is saying, look, I don't care that you don't want to go to the city. I don't care that you don't like how it's cloudy 220 days a year. I don't care that you don't like that it's 2.5 hours from the nearest beach. Like I don't care that that you don't like how your tan skin is going to turn white and how because of the coffee your white teeth are going to turn tan. (laughs) Actually, that's what God said to me when he brought me here. It's from my own journal. Um, What I want you to see, though, is what God is clearly saying. He's saying, I want you to thrive... And I want the city that you're in to thrive. And then look what he's saying. He's saying, you know, put down some roots where you're going to be, right? um, There's a generational aspect to this. He's not only enjoy your children, but enjoy your grandchildren, right? You know, no matter how you slice that, that's going to take some time, right? There's an investment there in the community. He's saying, I want you to plant gardens and harvest those gardens and share the produce of those gardens. Do this all organically, of course. And, you know, there's this plan that God has. But most specifically, what I want you to hear God say is he's saying, look, work for the blessing of the city. Labor for the blessing of the city. You're to be a part of the the service idea that I have. You're to care for the city that I'm sending you. And I want you to pray for it. Again and again and again, get on your knees for the city because as it prospers, you'll prosper. In its welfare is your welfare. He's tying them together. Now, I say all this because this is really going to be the foundation of where we're going over the next couple of years. The Blessing My City campaign has this passage as its foundation. And so we're going to wrestle with this over the next two years. What does it look like and and, and how is this going to become real in our midst? So if you're filling in the blanks, the first concept that I want to pitch to you is this. The, The challenge is that God cares for me to care for my parish. God calls me to care for my parish. And and the reason why it's called Blessing My City is because this is a statement we want every single person at Overlake to be able to make. This is a campaign we're we're praying that every single person at Overlake joins in this thing and, and answers God's call for you to care for your Parish. Now, what is a parish? This is an old word, a kind of antiquated word. Maybe some of you you didn't grow up going to Anglican church or Catholic church or living in Louisiana. You don't know what a parish is, right? So, so let's go back to the roots, ancient roots, ancient Greek roots. And and there are two words here. You can see the first one, uh, parochia. It means sojourning, and the next one there means dwelling beside. So, sojourning and dwelling beside. And I want you to understand that these roots are very, very important because the Bible refers to us, to you and to me, as sojourners, does it not? As journeymen and journeywomen. And and we are dwelling beside those that God has put us in contact with. So here's a couple of verses, Leviticus 25, 23. And this is the Lord saying, you are strangers and sojourners with me. That we are on a journey, and, and this is not our final home. No matter where you are in this earth, in this lifetime, it's not your final home. That we have a home we're journeying toward, but right now we're sojourners together with God. And then many of you are familiar with this First Peter verse, 1 Peter 2.11, which refers to you and I as sojourners and exiles, and yet the very next word, uh, verse talks about why we are where we are. 1 Peter 2.12 says, be careful to live properly among your unbelieving neighbors. Circle the phrase, live properly. That's the call. That's the challenge. We're to live properly amongst those whom God has placed us with. And, and so it all comes back to this idea of parish, that we are the sojourners dwelling beside those whom God has orchestrated us to dwell beside. This is our parish. Now, again, going back in sort of the ancient English and even Catholic tradition, typically what a parish was known as, it was a geographical region, a territory, And in each of these territories, often divided up by city lines or, you know, county lines, those kinds of things, there would be a parish pastor or a parish priest assigned to each individual parish. Now check this. This is where it gets interesting. The the pastor of that parish was not only responsible to care for the men and women who came to his church, but he was responsible responsible to care for every soul that lived in his parish district. Does this make sense? It's a lot more like today's chaplain. You know, now we have a, like a Redmond chaplain or a Woodinville chaplain who's responsible to care for every need in that area that he's been assigned. I, I just want you to see that this is what God is calling you to and what he's calling me to. Each of us are called to be a blessing To our city. Each of us are called to care for my parish. So that looks like your neighborhood, it looks like your local community, it looks like the, uh, the, you know, the, the areas of commerce that are in your town, it looks like your, your workplace, your classroom, where your children go to school. These are all examples, expressions of your parish, and God has placed you there, not accidentally, but for a reason so that you will work for the welfare of the city that he's placed you in. Now, what does that mean for us, like this building? What, is it, what does it mean for the Overlake Christian Church building? How does this fit into the same equation? Look, I don't know what you thought when you first walked into this place. You might have thought it was like a Costco. You might have thought it was like Disneyland. You might have thought it was like the spaceship from Battlestar Galactica. You know, it's just awkward and bulky. and you know, you're, I don't know what you thought. But I want you to understand what this actually is. This Overlay Christian Church building is the place where our parishes come together for encouragement, for challenge, and for inspiration on their own spiritual journey. So this is an incredible gathering place, and it's an incredible sending place as each and every one of us care for the parishes that God has placed us within. So let me show you a map here. This is our local region. Some of you are not familiar with geography. You live here, okay? (laughs) And where you see that red thumbtack, that's the location of the Overlake Christian Church building, okay? That's that's the, the location. So here we are, a gathering place for parishes here in Redmond, and then where these blue dots are are where all of our life groups meet. So these are, this is sort of the the casual at-a-glance expression of where our life groups are. And then this next slide is, you'll see it's a heat map of where you all live. And you are on this map unless you have never given us your address, uh, in which case I would ask you to fill out the card today. We will add you, okay? So... I just want you to see sort of when you look at this picture about where we are on the east side and in Seattle, you can obviously see that if we spend the next two years caring for our parish, bringing the love and the grace of Jesus Christ into the parish that God has placed us in, it will be transformative for the east side. You can can see it, it will not be the same region if we are very aware over these next two years of how God is calling us to care for our parish. And I want to show you a verse because it's really interesting. We like some of the scripture, but we typically ignore some of the scripture. So let me just give you one verse. It's, it's Psalm 4610. And the verse, some of us know, it says, Be still and know that I am God. And we like this verse. We memorize this verse. I do. You know, these are the, these are the kind of verses I just I love. Because we we want to be still. Life is crazy and stressful, and there's all sorts of pain involved in the world. This is true for all of us. and So this is one of those encouraging, be still. Be intimate with the Lord. Know his pleasure over us. Know his joy in us. Know his love over us. Know his grace for us, right? Be still and know that I am God. We like part A, but there is a part B. Right? There is a so that. And the rest of the verse says, I will be honored by every nation. I will be honored throughout the world, throughout the region, throughout your parish, right? The, the, the challenge then is that we would be still and know the Lord's pleasure over us, that, that we would experience his joy and his love in our lives, but that it would also flow through us into the parish that God has placed us in. Now, there's something that has to happen here for us to be able to accomplish this. And so you can see the next truth on your outline, that caring for my parish requires me to be intentional. I want you to write a word just next to intentional. I want you to write the word attentional. Because it will take our intention and it will take our attention that we have to have our eyes open to see what are the needs around us, who are the people around us, how can I care for my parish? I saw this video on Wednesday night. Pastor Pat showed it to the life group leaders, and I thought, oh my gosh, that is exactly the right kind of message that that I want to bring to Overlake this weekend. And so I'm going to show you, uh, if you're a life group leader, you've already seen this, but I want to show you What I mean when I talk about attentional, how it is that we must be able to pay attention to the things that are going on around us. So go ahead and watch this video. This is an awareness test. How many passes does the team in white make? Go! The answer is 13. Did you get it? But did you see the moonwalking bear? Of hands, how many of you saw the bear the first time? How many of you saw the bear the first time? Because you've already seen this video. <laughs> Thank you for that honest hand. I appreciate it. That's exactly right. So here's the deal: this is a real phenomenon. It's it's called um, it's called inattentional blindness. Inattentional blindness. It has nothing to do with your vision capacity, and it has nothing to do with your intellectual capacity but it is a true form of blindness that literally prevents us from seeing what is right in front of us. Here's a definition of it. Inattentional blindness is the failure to notice an unexpected stimulus that is in one's field of vision when other attention demanding tasks are being performed. By the way, if you're ever interested in spending you know, 10 minutes of just total wasted time on the internet, just Google this. There are so many different tests that have been done to show this reality, right? You've probably seen it in a paragraph that you read, and then you go back and you count the number of extra words that you didn't see the first time, right? This inattentional blindness that we have. So what I'm suggesting to you is that if we are going to care for the parish that God has placed us in, we need to be attentional. We need to have our eyes open. Yes, we have a pace that we have to perform. Yes, we have duties we have to go after, family responsibilities, all kinds of pressures on our life. Yeah, we're running around. We're trying to count how many passes are happening around us. But there's something right in front of us, our neighbors right in front of us. Our colleague at work is right in front of us. Our friend in the classroom is right in front of us. Uh, the, the mom in the classroom with your kids, there's a need right there. And so we're going to have to really work on being intentional and being attentional. And it, and it does require a mental shift. I'll give you one, just a personal example from this. This happened at the Monster Mash uh, back in the fall. I was the parent on duty. I was taking my third grade ninja to the Monster Mash dance. Not really a dance. It's more like semi-organized chaos on the school property. And so I show up with my ninja. We party together for exactly seven nanoseconds before he is swept up into some kind of a cyclone of peers that just moves away quickly. And so I did what many of us parents in those situations do. I quickly scanned the gymnasium for a familiar face, and I didn't see one immediately, so I pull out my cell phone and I begin to answer emails. And I lean against a wall and I hide in my digital cave. Just out of show of hands, has anyone here ever done that? Yeah. And as I was answering email and, and, uh, just kind of cocooning, I really felt this thought jump in my head. And honestly, I'm, I'm as certain that it was Jesus as I am of anything else. This thought came into my head, Mike, this is your parish, and these are your people. And I want you to love them because I love them. I was like, oh, you know what? That, that'll preach. Um, all right, Jesus. And so I put my phone away, and I started um, crashing conversations, right? And, I, and I, I just ended up sort of moving around the gymnasium and, and then down into the cafeteria, and I ended up getting, in the next two hours, I was probably in about five significant conversations that lasted several minutes, Uh, Including one conversation, um, many of the conversations were with dads whose kids were friends with my kids. And one of the conversations was with uh, an ex wazoo football player. And so I spent most of the time pretending that my high school football experience was similar to his college (laughs) football experience. (laughs) One conversation was with a dad who had grown up in a Catholic church setting, but he had not been to church even once in his adult years, and And his son was friends with my son. And and so, since that conversation, he's brought his son to church, and actually his son and my son, and, and he and I sat on the front row here uh, one Sunday, and I'm pretty sure the whole time he was thinking to himself, this is not my Catholic church, <laughs> right? Like... But I want you to understand that what was interesting about those conversations is that two of them moved into spiritual realms. Even those that didn't move into spiritual realms were filled with encouragement and care. And, and you know, I was trying to just communicate, um, um, you know, as much as I could. I, I was for them and, and I was trying to develop friendships. Like all of those things were very, very positive. But there were also a couple that moved right into spiritual conversations about raising kids, spiritual conversations about you and and what Overlake's all about. And and, and so I just want you to see that that, that there's power there in being intentional and attentional. That that God has these things, these conversations, these people. He, He has placed you there for a reason so that you will be a blessing in your city, so that you will care for the parish that he's assigned to you. Now, I I do want to let you know this, that that I'm not always there. And there really are times, you know, I'm in social situations where maybe I, I am just completely talked out for the day. Or I I just don't, for whatever reason, have the energy to to be relational in those contexts. And and I get that. And maybe maybe you're wired like that. You're not just sort of naturally uh, gregarious or want to start conversations. Like, I understand this. But here's what I would suggest to you, and this is what's helped me. That maybe in those moments when you don't feel like it, maybe you just say a quick prayer. God, is, is there something here you'd like me to be involved in? Is there a conversation you'd, you'd like me to have? Just a quick, quick prayer. Because you, I, it's amazing how often God does have a conversation he wants you to have. He'll show you a person that he'd like you to interact with. So just kind of keep this in mind. We might not always be there, but, it's, but it really is interesting if we ask God. The last thing I want to say about that night at, at the school was this, that in the midst of it, I realized... That my heart actually was God's heart. And I, and I remember saying to Jesus, You know, Jesus is so funny. I, I really do love these people. I really am glad that you've placed me here. I really do want them to prosper. I want them to prosper in their parenting, I want them to prosper in their marriages, I want them to prosper in their finances, I want them to prosper in their relationship with you, Lord. So this was not something that I put on. This was not something that I pretended. This was something that God was birthing in me. Friends, it's what I want God to birth in you. So that you and I, that we would be intentional and attentional about caring for the parish that God has placed us in. And so what this means is over the next two years, we're going to work really, really hard to try to answer that question. How do I care for my parish? And on the screen, you'll see several examples and, and you can kind of just see how you're already probably doing a few of these things. And, and by, by the way, this is not an ex- exhaustive list. That What we want is we want you to help us populate a list of 100 or 200 ways that we could care for our parish. And so, so you can see just a few ideas there. You know, mowing a neighbor's lawn or prayer walking in your neighborhood. You know, for me, I, I, I have a, a natural duty. It's called walking the dog. So I do dog walk, prayer walk. Like, like I think that, that works. Uh, one idea is that you would make cookies or or treats and give them out to your neighbors like on a holiday especially do this on a holiday that people don't typically get cookies for like hey happy Bastille Day you know like uh, (laughs) it'll cause a conversation and and so you know like just kind of think through what are the ways in which you could be proactive in caring for your parish and I'd love to hear your ideas as well Last week I had a conversation with a longtime member of Overlay Christian Church. He's been a member of this church for the exact number of months that I have been alive. And he said, Pastor Mike, I I love the direction of our church. I love that our church is focused on experiencing and enjoying a relationship of love with Jesus. He said, I think it's so great. He goes, "But, but I would really encourage you to challenge our church to take their faith beyond the walls of this building. He said, I would really encourage you to challenge our church so that our faith is not lived only within the confines of our quiet time or only within the parameters of our life group, but rather in our communities and in our neighborhoods that that we are living that kind of love each and every day of our lives. And And it's right on. That challenge is right, right on because it's what Jesus says. Look what Jesus says in Matthew 5. He says, You are the salt of the earth. You are the spice. You are the flavor. You're the salt of the earth. But what good is salt that's lost its flavor? Can you make it salty again? It'll be thrown out and trampled underfoot. It's worthless. He goes on another metaphor You're the light of the world like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden no one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket instead a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house in the same way let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly father and that's what we want and that's again we're talking about the foundation for blessing my city this is all it it's all Jesus this is this is what he's called us to do We are here for a reason. It is so that we might love and serve and care for so that folks will understand, hey, God does love me. Jesus is for me. There's more going on here than just surviving this life. A buddy of mine was in a life group last week, and they were talking about this concept. And he was challenged by another one of the folks in the life group, hey, listen, just have your eyes open To the patterns of your life that you're already living, don't try to add other things. He he was challenged. Just in your normal routine, just see if God has you know somebody for you to care for. And so the next day he went to his same coffee shop that he had gone to for all these other mornings, and he noticed a guy sitting there, and he realized that he'd noticed a guy sitting there reading the paper all these other mornings that he goes in, sitting by himself reading the paper. And he just thought, well, maybe this is what God wants for me. He began a conversation, and suddenly there's a friendship now that's developing just because he has his eyes open. See, it, it doesn't take much. It just takes where you are, doing what you do, but having that attentional focus. Our, our staff this week on Wednesday, we sent our staff out to eight different communities. It was based on where we lived. And the challenge was we wanted our staff to walk through these downtown, kind of these commercial areas in order to pray for the welfare of the cities that we live in. And so Pastor John was telling me that he was out in Juanita um, because that's where he lives. So, you know, single ladies, Pastor John lives in Juanita, just so you know. <laughs> and, and he's walking in Juanita, and they're praying for the welfare of Juanita, and as they're walking, John sees this guy about his own age, but he's just kind of walking by himself, and he, he feels like God's saying, hey, go pray for this guy. And so they go, and they start a conversation with this guy, and it turns out this guy kind of shares his story pretty openly that he's new to the area, 14 months he's lived here, he's a software developer, and um, he, he's really struggling right now with depression, discouragement, and direction. And they let him know that they were praying for Juanita, and he was like, would you consider praying for me? Oh. And they're yeah, we'd love to pray for you. So he goes, oh, great. And he holds out his hands like this, and John's like, uh, <laughs> let's pray. Yeah, you know, it just maybe it was a little more than John was ready for, but I... I just want you to know that after that happened, the man said, uh, I don't believe that this was accidental, that we would just run into each other today. Friends, I, I would just challenge you with that thought. I, I don't think that there are these accidents waiting to happen. I think there are appointments waiting to happen. And I, I, I really do believe that as we have intention and attention that we will see this happen more and more and more. Almost to the, to the tune of every day we might wake up and go, I wonder what you have in store for us today, Jesus. I, I wonder who it is that you have in store for me to connect with. I wonder how today I can bless my city. Now, um, th- there are many, many verses that we can point to. This is a good one, John thirteen thirty five, that says, uh, Jesus says, your love for one another will prove to the world That you are my disciples. Jesus is saying, the way in which you love one another is the way in which the world will know that I'm worth following, right? It's how you love. And so that's the challenge that we would joyfully and purposefully love our parish. And, And that the next. Two years that that would be our focus and that we would encourage one another in this and we would be excited about brainstorming ways in which we could care for our parish and, and that together we would love intentionally and well. Together we would be the salt and the light that Jesus is calling us to be. Another story, my friend Neely was hanging out with a Spanish-speaking neighbor and she and her family had been very proactive in building friendship in with this family and, and, and the Spanish-speaking neighbor was having a, a difficulty filling out some school forms. And, and some of these school forms that they had to fill out, they were a little bit sensitive um, in terms of it was for, like, the re- reduced lunch program. And, and so there was maybe a, a little bit of embarrassment and a little bit of sensitivity to asking for help. But he came to Neely, and he asked Neely for help. Because he knew that she was authentic in her friendship with them. And she knew that he knew that she was trustworthy, that she wasn't going to turn this information and use it to shame him or hurt him or, or another way, you know, that, that she wouldn't exploit that at all. And, and so he goes humbly with the request, Hey, could you help me? And she is honored. And she says, Absolutely, I'd love to. And you hear a story like that, and you go, Well, Mike, that just sounds like being a good neighbor. Bingo. It's exactly right. If I were to ask you, how many neighbors do you know by name? The answer might be embarrassing. Because it is culturally acceptable for us to not know our neighbors. And to not know their family situations. And to not have friendship with them. And so when I'm talking about being intentional and attentional, there are some things that we're going to have to choose, and you might want to write these down. The first thing we have to choose, we have to choose not to hibernate, okay? Now, if you're born and raised in the Northwest, you don't realize this, but there really are other whole regions of the world that have fun and friendship 12 months out of the year. In Seattle, right in this region, what we do is we enjoy th- this is true and you can give an amen. We enjoy the world's greatest summer months ever, right? We just we love sunshine, we love days that start way early and last way late. We love no mosquitoes, like we love all kinds of great great things and appropriately so. But then the cloud. And so what we do is we nurse our pain and we get up in the dark and we drive to work in the dark and we drive home in the dark and we watch Netflix and that's it, right? (laughs) This is our 10 month hibernation. So friends, we're gonna have to choose not to hibernate, right? We're gonna have to choose in order for us to, to, to fulfill God's call in our life, we're going to have to make a choice. That Jesus, we think what you're calling us to is greater than the life that I have been living thus far. We think the impact you're calling us to make, the, the fact that you've made me a parish pastor in my parish region, that these are my people in my parish, that this means something. And so I'm going to have to choose not to hibernate. There's another thing that I would encourage you, um, and we talked about having eyes to see. This goes right along with it's choosing to go the extra mile. Um, Here's a phrase that many of us have heard before; we're familiar with this. It's choose to fake it till you make it. So I don't like that phrase, but I I get what they're trying to go after. That what they're saying is there are some people in your life, some neighbors, and some workmates, and some classroom buddies that maybe they get under your skin a little bit, right? We call these extra grace required kind of people. And and so I'm just suggesting, and if you can't think of anybody in your life who's like that, chances are you're that person. <laughs> so you know. So here's the deal. <laughs> Ooh just got a little cold in here. Wow. Here's the deal. Here's the challenge. I I don't want you to fake it till you make it. Here's the phrase I'd like you to use. I want you to choose to love them until you like them. Love them until you like them. See, most of the time what happens, if we don't like someone, we're not going to love them. We're going to distance ourselves. We're going to remove ourselves. We're just going to ignore. I want to challenge you just the opposite, that you would actively love someone. That you would care for their needs, that you would serve them, that that you would be proactive in in just over the top the way Jesus lavishes you with love. That you try to lavish them with love, and you would love them until you like them. That's good. And so you can see that th- this is going to involve all of us and. There's many biblical expressions of this. There's one great biblical expression in the book of Esther. And in fact, I could argue that the entire book of Esther is about caring for the parish that God appoints for you to be in. And many of you know this story. Esther's uncle Mordecai, he actually encourages her to think about it. He says, it's for such a time as this that God has brought you here, given you this opportunity. And she comes through. Many of you know the story. Great, great victory for the Lord. Esther's faithful. But most of you don't know, many of you don't know that Mordecai, her uncle, also receives a place of prominence. And he also speaks on behalf of the entire parish that God places him within. And so the whole book wraps up with these verses. It says, for Mordecai the Jew was second only to the king and great among the Jews and in favor with his many kinsmen. Look at this. One who sought the good of his people... And one who spoke what? For the welfare of his whole nation. He cared for his parish. He cared for his parish, and friends, that's what we want to go after. I I do want you to know that there is so much more to this campaign, and so I am very, very excited over the next four weeks. We're going to unpack what that looks like each and every Sunday, so please come back. Please be a part of each of of the weeks of this series. The second thing I, I want you to know is that I am going to invite all of you to a dessert night where we unpack this vision personally. And so today I'm going to be sending out an email with an invitation. It has four nights coming up over the next month and so please take a moment, look at the calendar and then and then RSVP, we want to make sure we have enough coffee and dessert for you and, um, and, and just be prepared in that regard. But these are going to be very special nights, kind of even prayerfully tour not only the facility here that we've been given as this church building but then also we're going to have some time that we pray for our parishes individually as well. So, what I want to do right now is I just, I want to end with some of the words of Jesus. And this is, happens sort of right before Jesus is betrayed and crucified. This is the last night of Jesus' life. And, and many of you, you already know this story. You, you're familiar with this, but I just, I want to end here. This is John 13. It says this, Jesus knew that the Father had given him authority over everything, that he had come from God and would return to God. So he got up from the table, took off his robe, wrapped a towel around his waist, and poured water into a basin. Then he began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with the towel he had around him. You know, it's, it's a scene like that that, that causes people who hate religion, who despise, like, you know, church world. It's a scene like that that causes them to love Jesus. Because what that said is that he realized all authority was his. He knew exactly who he was. He knew that all the authority on the earth all the authority in heaven that, that that everything was his that that he was god's son that he was the lord god almighty in the flesh he was aware of his authority and so he refused to lord it over anyone in that moment instead what he did is he grabbed a towel and he grabbed a pitcher he grabbed a basin and he poured some water into the basin and then on his hands and knees he moved from person to person and he washed their feet i mean that just blows me away this is why i love jesus because there are these moments in my life when i'm the guy sitting there with the dirty feet And Jesus comes to me, and he washes my feet. He does this to you as well. But I want to end where Jesus ends that episode. It says just a few verses later when Jesus is finished, he says, do you understand what I was doing? You call me teacher and Lord, and you're right, because that's what I am. And since I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you ought to wash each other's feet. I've given you an example to follow Do as I have done to you. And then he says, Now that you know these things, God will bless you for doing them. Friends, that's why we have to bless our city. That's why we have to be intentional and attentional about the ways in which we can care for our parish. That's why we have to have our eyes open and our hands ready and and make space for ways that we can serve our neighbors ways that we can know the people in our community, ways that we can care for the needs and minister in love, it's because we want to follow the example that Jesus has set. He's the one who has washed our feet and now we get the privilege of going and following in his footsteps. So why don't we pray for that right now? Lord Jesus, we are amazed that you left heaven and you came and you intentionally dwelt among us for a while and while you were here Lord Jesus you cared for the needs of the people around you Lord Jesus here we are and we live in this region we live in Seattle we live on the east side we live in the many communities that are around here and, and Jesus we, we want to follow in your footsteps We want to care for our neighbors. We want to care for our communities the way that you are calling us to. And Lord, we can only dream about what that looks like when all of us begin to serve you by serving the people that we're dwelling beside. So please show us how and give us the courage to and lead us forward in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior. Amen. Amen.